Hey, Drea. Hey. Hey, B. What's up? <laughs> We're back in again, you guys. Welcome to Spin the Bottle. Thanks so much for joining our weekly adult status check-in because <laughs> basically life has a way of making you wonder. Just questioning it all. All of it. <laughs> if you've been enjoying this journey with us, please shout us a holler, as Danny would say, on iTunes or Google Play to rate us and leave a nice comment. You guys, we really would love your comments, so please talk to us directly on Facebook. You can do that by searching Spin the Bottle Podcast, and we will meet you there. And we promise we will get back to you. <laughs> All right. I think it's time to start the show. Okay, D. I don't mean to be deep, but I've been thinking about the way we think, like a lot. And have you ever noticed how, as you get older, certain ideas just no longer apply to you? Yes, I have. I'm actually well into the process of going through a few of those things oh. myself. Mm. And what I will say is I think that it's just as important to be aware of the things that we need to disregard as the things we need to take along with us on the journey. Absolutely. So. I think that was well said. That's why I wanted to talk about unlearning today. I really think it's a key part of learning about more of who you are and really paving your way in this world. I'm excited. You ready? Yes, I am absolutely (laughs) ready to have this conversation. And it's funny that you say unlearning because it makes me think of a few things. Hmm, How many things? Um, Many things, many words, but there is one in particular. Do you mean... A word of the day? Why, yes, I do. The word of the day is metacognitive, which means awareness or analysis of one's own learning or thinking processes. It also means the practice of thinking about thinking. In other words, when I get lost about in my thoughts about the world, mm-hmm. one could say, I'm wrapped up in metacognition. That's not the word of the day, Denny. It's metacognitive. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be fancy. So today we thought we'd do something fun and different by introducing a little spin the bottle game called Mars versus Venus. Here's how the game works, y'all. Drea and I have been assigned teams. I'm Mars, so I've got the boys. As usual. I'm <laughs> Venus. <laughs> Who run the world? Girls. Okay. Sorry. I'm a traitor to my team already. Yeah, already. <laughs> Let us begin again. So we both asked a variety of people in our respective gender teams the same questions to see if there were going to be differences between how the men and women think in some areas. The catch is we haven't heard what the other teams have said. So we have to choose the team's answer that we actually agree with and say why. No points if we both choose our own teams. So here's an example. Let's say, for instance, the question is, what music era is better for R&B, 80s or 90s? A guy from Team Mars says 80s. A girl from Team Venus says 90s. We choose which team we agree with. If we both choose Team Venus, then Team Venus gets a point. If we both choose other teams, or if we both choose our own teams, no points on the board, and we go to the next question. Obviously, the team with the most points by the end of the questions wins the game. Are you confused now? Let's do it, because so are we. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to work. It's going to work. It's going to be so fun. Okay, question one. 
What are the areas you expect a wife to take care of in a marriage? The three things that I would like, not expect, because that's bullshit. Um, I would like if she stayed on top of her fitness, as I hold that as a high priority of mine, being healthy. Um, I would like for her to talk to me and not at me. And I would like, I would like for her to be good with money because I'm not horrible with it, but I'm not the best at it. So I would definitely like help, even if she has to take the lead in that area. I would like that. Um, in terms of the expectations that I have of myself in caring for our household and for caring for my husband, for him, I would say my thoughts are in the same vein as in terms of him taking, my expectations of him is to take care of me. My expectations of myself are to take care of him. Um, and some nights, for example, last night, you know, I, my husband's a full-time student. And so some days I just know that he needs to come home and there needs to be an environment of peace. And I do feel like that's part of what I do, my expectation of myself is to um, set the tone for our house. And it also always should be a tone of, of peace and comfort and love. And I always want him to feel that. And so um, even though I, you know, I had to be at work early and stayed at work late on Monday night, Tuesday morning, I let the job know that I would be in late because I wanted to make sure my house was clean because my husband's got finals and I needed him to come home and have a clean house so he could study. <laughs> Is that what I do every day? Oh, no. <laughs> In fact, last week he cleaned up the entire house. And so, again, it just depends on what, uh, what the need is in order for each other to feel cared for uh, and him, for him to feel loved. And, you know, when he arrives, you know, occasionally that'll mean cooking but I mean sometimes the onus is on him and hey wifey's gonna be home late so he cooked um, I don't think again we have any finite rules in terms of Erica does this and Daryl does this but rather it's it's a matter of us just caring for each other and making sure that our needs are met because we're partners and I also I always want him to feel like he has a partner in me and I have a partner in him and again, the, the, the role of the partnership is, again, not for either of us to, to, to state that we have a, a, a checklist of things that we have to do for each other, but rather to anticipate the needs that we have for each other and to, to make sure to accomplish each of those. So, who's it going to be, Dee? <sighs> I'm going to go with Venus on this one. Hmm. The only reason I'm saying that is because I do think, and, and let me just say this uh, fully knowing that I'm in a single box, so I don't necessarily know what marriage is going to look like. But In a single box. <laughs> um, a box of I will say that I do think well, you have to kind of figure it out with your partner. So I do appreciate her saying, like, it's whatever kind of my husband needs or I you know mm -hmm. there's not necessarily three boxes to check Mars gave us some more concrete examples which is very in line with what Mars you know the way they communicate but um 
I'm thinking, you know, it may be that, you know, your husband needs love and needs things and things make him feel loved that aren't necessarily at the forefront of your mind. You know, Mm -hmm. I've heard before that we love the way we want to be loved. Yeah. And that's not always the correct love language, if you will. Mm -hmm. So I really think it does depend on what your husband needs. Agreed. I'm going to go with Venus because that's my team. Just kidding. I'm not. Wow. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I like her. I think the gist of her answer was that you, your expectation is just to care for one another. And I, I really like that. I really like that. Good stuff. Okay. So that's, uh, we have our producer keeping score for us. Question number two, what areas do you expect a husband to take care of in a marriage? Okay, so the three areas that I expect to take care of as a husband are, one, finances, two, uh, home repairs, also living situations in terms of you know where we're going to live, and then I would say three, uh, because it's such an important thing to me, just you know the health and fitness portion in terms of uh, you know us getting our workouts in together as as a team as a unit so the expectations that i have for my husband when i get married well um if you're referring to like division of labor well i guess that would be something that we'd have to discuss together i don't know like i don't mind cooking i really like cooking so i wouldn't mind cooking for my husband as long as he was cool with cleaning up um but if you're talking about like deeper maybe like emotionally emotional and spiritual expectations I guess I definitely expect my husband to be the same person I fell in love with and stay faithful loyal and be like an emotional support system for me okay Drea what's your pick I really enjoyed the way Mars was so definitive in his answer but Venus was just so personal. It's really hard not to connect. Really hard not to connect. So I appreciated the spiritual aspect. But wait. One thing she said, can I disagree but not agree? Can I agree but disagree? Mm-hmm. I got to pick, gotta pick you gotta one. Pick a, you got to. Well, she said she kind of expects her husband to be the same person that she fell in love with. And on one hand, that's sort of impossible. <sighs> On the other hand, she kind of, I don't know. Do I have to pick right now? Okay, I'm going to pick Team Venus. Okay, I'm going with Mars on this one. Okay. <laughs> I would love a little personal trainer slash husband action. That just sounds awesome. So you want to coach? I do want to coach. I think I want to coach. So Be he nice. had me at like, yes, we're going to get on this mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. This This fitness life. He seemed like a real leader. Listen, I'm into it. <laughs> Okay, because that's one of I I think that is one of my strongest desires is to be with a man who understands what it is to lead and what leadership looks like and who's Mm. comfortable in that capacity. That's good. Yeah, I'm going. Can I switch my answer? Just kidding. Oh, okay. So no (laughs) point there. All right. Okay. Question number three. How long should you wait after a breakup to date? (laughs) this will be funny yeah so after a breakup you gotta ask yourself what's considered dating like dating like relationship or like rebound 
I think it's different for guys. Guys could sleep with a girl after he breaks up with somebody just to kind of numb the pain or, or get over somebody. Um, I think every guy is different. If he was really hurt, typically guys, if they're hurt, they don't really rush back into dating. They kind of turn into what we call savage mode. And they kind of just chill and just they don't really open their heart back up again, especially if they've been hurt. I know me after... I still haven't dated anybody. So, and you know, that was last July or August. Um, so it just depends, I think, on that person. I don't think there's a timetable specifically. I think it's contingent upon how you feel and the person you meet. Um, but if we're talking about just physical intimacy and sex, that could literally be a few weeks for guys. But sex to guys doesn't mean the same like guys can have meaningless empty sex and it really don't mean anything so sex anywhere it could be two weeks um dating dating for guys it just depends man it really does there's no timetable i think it's somebody comes inside and, and, and blindsides you um you know it could happen but if not i think like i said if guys been hurt it takes them a minute the amount of time you should wait to date after a breakup, depending on how long you dated and how intense it was, I'd say at least like two, three months. Typical. <laughs> <laughs> on both sides, I think. Don't you? How? How do you? Well, I just think very generally women are just more sensitive to stuff like that. They don't want to just jump into a relationship. They might do a quick rebound, but it's not a real relationship. I'm past the time in my life where I'm going to willingly sign up for a rebound, if that makes sense. Do you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like if the situation was really crucial and I'm like truly rebounding from something really significant, then I'm going to take whatever time I need to get over that, but I'm certainly not going to bring anybody in to the mess. You know what I mean? You're so mature that I'm trying to clean up. <laughs> You're so, so mature. It's like I'm not, well, it's just, no, it's just messy. It just gets really messy. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, I'm not going to date you or be with you or have any physical interaction with you whatsoever. Um, unless I know I'm free and clear, which is why it took me a while to start dating again after my last breakup. Cause I knew Mm, I don't know if this is going to come back. And if it does, mm -hmm. I'm not going to be dating somebody and then being like, oh, yeah, I'm still unresolved. It's just not really cool. It's not a cool thing to do to somebody else when you know you're kind of vested elsewhere. Well, I'm, you know, I haven't rebounded in a long time, so. <laughs> well, good, honey. It's kind of. That's the goal of marriage. I'm going to actually go with um, Mars on this one. I am too. Because I feel as if he's right. It, you, it just really depends. It depends. It really okay. Depends. So we're keeping, we're keeping score. Question number four. When in a relationship, what is the cutoff time to exchange text messages with the opposite sex? Ooh. <laughs> when you're in a relationship, I would say anytime after 9 p.m. would be uh, not appropriate to receive text messages or calls for the uh, opposite sex. It really depends, though, on the relationship um, of those individual friends of the opposite sex you have and uh, also, like, if there's an emergency or something that plays, in, uh, plays an effect to that. 
cut off time for texting for the opposite sex should be midnight. Any time after midnight, if you're a man and you are texting me after midnight, your intentions are questionable. And I'll wonder um, what you're thinking about. And then 10 times out of 10 after midnight, the conversation is going south anyway. And at this point, if we haven't had a vocal conversation and you haven't called me on the phone by nine and we've been sitting on the phone talking, then I'm just going to take you texting or calling me at midnight as a booty call. Midnight. 9 p.m. is so early. Midnight is kind of late, though. Okay. mm. Okay. So, (laughs) so here's my thing on this question. And this is again me navigating through, but I have different, there are levels to this thing. Mm. So for me, it's different when you're married. I have some very hard, fast, concrete rules about. You mean if someone's married texting you? Yeah. Or I'm texting a married person. Yeah. Right. Yes. So meaning like for me, there's like etiquette that is involved in that. I tend to go a little extra, but I'm not texting a married man generally after the sun goes down. One. <laughs> like, just okay, not fair. really. Like, I'm just not. There could be dinner time happening. I don't know. Kid stuff. You're coming home. I don't know. I don't know. So I'm very, and I also am big on, like, group texting. So meaning if I'm texting someone's husband, his wife is going to be on the text, too. Like, meaning I feel like there's etiquette. Fair, so fair. if I'm texting your husband that. to say, hey... I can't even think of why I'd really be texting your husband (laughs) other than to surprise you. No, really. Like I don't, you know, but if it was something like, Hey, it's an emergency, then it would be very clear that it's one 30 in the morning and I'm texting you because you're going to be on that group text. (laughs) So everybody will be clear about, I think that's a fair point because I I was thinking of it in terms of if you are dating and I didn't take it to the point where if someone is married and cause I guess I thought you just shouldn't be texting. Yeah. If you so I guess that's the answer is like my husband. So I'm going ever. Mars. I could I could go with the nine o'clock answer. <laughs> right, right. With we married could, people. That's true. That's you know what I'm true saying? at a certain point. If you're dating, here's my thing about dating, okay? Because we have so many different labels for what we're doing. We're talking, we're dating, we're seeing each other, we're right, this, right, right. we're that. Like let's be very clear. If you and I are in a serious monogamous relationship, then I'm not gonna assign you a time. Right. At, at any point, but I'm going to expect that you respect me. And so if we're laying in bed together and it's 11 o'clock at night, your tech, your phone shouldn't be going off. And if it does, I'm going to just need you to handle it. Like, hey, it's too late. Don't text me. Mm-hmm. It Fair. would be my thought process there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, just I don't want to have to micromanage you, but respect me and respect our relationship. Right. Make if, sure these people know you're you in a relationship. Boundaries. Yeah. Boundaries. It's important because you just sometimes it gets away from people. And I know L.A. is a a town where people are up all night. Things happen. Who knows if you're dating a creative, they may be getting done with whatever they're doing at two in the morning or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's all about like the way you conduct yourself, how you protect, how you protect me and how you represent us in the context of our relationship. Like you as a man should handle that. Just like if someone's coming at me, I'm going to handle that as well. Mm -hmm. So, ooh, I don't know how to vote. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't help that they picked nine and 12. It's, yeah. (laughs) But I will say it does depend on everything that you're saying. It does depend on the type of relationship that you have with that person. 
what you need, your expectations for each part for the person that who's texting or who you're texting. One thing about Venus is she said, she said your um your intentions are tricky. I can't remember how she said it, but I think if you if you text if you text somebody at midnight, then it's pretty clear sometimes what that what that text is is for and about. You know, I think in terms of what she was saying, like sure. in terms of dating, she's like, you're texting me because you want me to come over. Um, I know. So, but and I also I think mean. that the expectation is that that's there. So if that's the way your relationship is set up, then it's fine. But if it's not. Yeah, I think you have to respect boundaries. It's Ooh, let's come at it for this angle. As for us in our house, <laughs> let's for just me and my house. Don't text my husband after nine o'clock. Yeah, let's I'm go saying. with that. Mars, I don't Mars know and I, Mars. Nine o'clock is kind of early. But uh, midnight? He stays up late too. Midnight is too late. Midnight's a problem, what right? What you got to talk about at midnight? That's my point. Jared? <laughs> what you got to talk about at midnight, cousin? <laughs> okay. So are we going Mars? I'm going Mars. I'm going to err on the side of caution. You are? Okay. Rather than like push it, if that makes sense. I'm, I'm All right. I'm going to go with Mars. Okay. Ooh. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go with Mars. Okay. But I really liked her answer. Okay. I liked hers too. Last question. When is it okay to cry? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I believe that it is okay to cry whenever you feel moved to cry who's to say when why or how your emotions should be validated in expressing themselves whose perspective or opinion is right wherever your peace leads you if you want to cry tears of joy then cry them at whatever point you feel like there's joy and if you want to cry tears of sadness then by all means Indulge and allow yourself the right of exercising the cathartic moment that is before you and shed a tear. I think that it's okay to cry whenever you feel like crying. Um, It's a natural response and it's a natural emotional response. Um, As a woman, I mean, there's generally a three-day period once a month where I can cry on account of anything. And I don't want to limit myself and say that I'm wrong or crazy or out of sorts because at that time I feel emotional and I mean I put most of my tear my tear ducts are usually in reserve but whenever the emotion hits that it requires and necessitates a tear I can't control it and that's the very nature of emotions that you generally can't control it so in terms of when I should versus when I shouldn't or when it's okay for someone else to cry versus when they shouldn't I mean, I, I can't define that for anybody because it's it's emotional. And so the very nature of emotions is that it's likely subjective. Everybody wins. Yeah, that one's going to be a tie because they pretty much had the same answer. Can we say that? I guess we made this game up. So, yes. From a different perspective. So we both get a point. Can we give them both a point? Let's, yes. Let's defer to our producer. <laughs> I give them five points. No? Okay. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> Who won? Oh yeah. Okay, they get they so both get a point because Mars they had the one same answer. And Venus gets And they one. were both wonderfully poetic answers. Weren't they poetic? Beautiful. And we agree. 
Yeah, you know, I'm weird about the crying a little bit, but I'm going to say the correct answer. Whatever moves you, Danielle. Yes. Have at it. Cry your cry. Okay, we'll come back to this discussion. The winner is... The winner is... Mars! Let's hear it for the boy. You sing your own song. I'd like to go back to the texting question. Yeah. Okay. I'd like to say maybe 1130. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> okay. I just, the, the limits are hard since you already won. Anyway, I just, the limits are just challenging. They are. That's that. what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It's respect. It's, it's respect both ways. But it's we both agree. No, I don't respect. know, Drea, because if someone texted your husband at 11, you might be looking like, this is. Who is that? Like. What y'all talking about? L- let's just put it this way. If shows like Midnight Love are coming on, if we're clearly on the <laughs> Does line, Midnight Love even come on anymore? It doesn't matter. You know what I'm talking about. I know what it's you're the nighttime, about. the height of the nighttime. It's the nighttime. If that if that's starting to happen, <laughs> mm-hmm. or there's any thought like they could be fully in bed, about to go to sleep. That's true. That's it's too true. late, guys. Are these are these like crazy rules that we're putting out there? Maybe. Let us know. Drop us an email. I'm curious. Listen, here's the thing. And this is what I'm always going to say, especially as a single woman. I keep going back to this. With married people, I would rather err on the side of caution and someone be like, girl, yeah, she's I ridiculous. That. I appreciate She that. won't call my husband after seven rather than having to have a very uncomfortable conversation about why I called your husband at 1202. See? see why there? would you call my husband at 1202, That's though? my point. Yeah. You got to Okay. You got That's point. my point. Points on points on points. Err on the Put side of caution. Put some respect on Danielle's name. Respect. Put some respect on marriage. Okay. Okay. That's it. That's all I got. Let's go, Mars. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, y'all. That's that time. That's right. It's time to spin that bottle. Let's go. So here are this week's bottle topics brought to you by our highly focused yet surprisingly short attention spans. Exactly right. Here are the categories for the week. Worst advice. Those sweet nothings over the years that we could have absolutely done without. All about them tubments. Some financial sharing and caring. Discovered while adulting. Hypothetically speaking. An unsolicited dear Abby to the fictional characters who don't know they need us. Because they so do. (laughs) Mom! A wondering whine to our moms about the many challenges of our adult life. Also, we've decided to keep a couple topics for us on the board for good since they've become a fan favorite. Mm -hmm. Like currently crushing, which are people, places, or things that are tickling our fancy at the moment. And I feel a way. People, places, things, or ideas that we most publicly, oh, not most. We can most denounce if we want to. We must publicly denounce because hashtag we cannot. And we won't. How about that? All right, let's spin. Mom! (laughs) That's the one. Okay. Drea? I really only have one question because I, I thought about this question last week. About a week ago. Why do I have to go to work on my period? Huh? I just don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to talk to nobody. I don't want to leave the house. I don't want to get out of bed. 
mom. That's not even something she didn't explain to me. That's just something I don't want to do. And I'd like my mother to come rub my back. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't want to do it. Well, I think my question for my mom would be why she didn't have the birds and the bees talk with me when I was a little bit younger. How old were you? Okay, so here's the thing. I... My mom is a nurse, okay? So she gave me all the, like, anatomical, physical, like, this is what happens. Mm. Um, She just left out a few little details that I was shocked to learn on my own. Like what? When I had my first boyfriend, and we were, like, 15, maybe, I did not know that men got erections. She never told me that part. I knew that it went somewhere. Hmm. But I didn't know that there was something that had to happen to the male anatomy in order for that, that is, to be. She just left it out. Funny. She left it out. And so, you know, I was at a house party with him being a little fresh and sitting on his lap. Yes, fresh. And there was some action going on, and I was very confused. And I had a meltdown and thought he needed to go to the emergency room. And it was all very embarrassing because nobody told me. Oh, Nobody told that me. That sounds embarrassing. I just didn't know. <laughs> it was so Listen. embarrassing. So, Mom, I wish you would have just told me a little sooner <laughs> about that part. Not that I was doing anything with it, but I was, like, really nervous that something had happened to him. Oh, that's funny. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, something something did happen. I just wasn't aware. Of How did you figure on. this out? He told me. Oh, he had I to jumped off you. his lap. I was like, oh my God, what's happening? I Wait, know. you thought he had to go to the emergency room though? I thought something was wrong. Wrong. I thought something was wrong. You're like, is all I'm going to say. Sir. We'll leave it at that. I didn't know what's going on. Something's happening. Something's happening with your third leg. So crazy. It was really embarrassing and I got made fun of for many years. So, you know, I just, I wish you would have told me though. That's hilarious. Okay, so unlearning. Where do we begin? Well, I think before we get into anything, it's important to, like, discuss what it is that we mean by unlearning. That's true. That's very true. So, Dre, when we talk unlearning, what does that mean to you? Well... I believe it means letting go of something, letting something go, um, a process of leaving things behind and things that you learned maybe when you were growing up or things that you learned over the course of a relationship. And I often associate learning with bad habits. Hmm. Um, I don't know if that's always true, but I feel like if you're trying to unlearn something, it's usually not good for you. So, yeah, or necessarily applicable. Yeah. Yeah, like it's not good for you or it doesn't apply anymore. Yeah. So the act of letting something go, an idea, a practice. That you once held as a truth, I think. Yeah, I think that's important to say. Yeah, that you previously held as a truth. So that's what, guys, that's what we're talking about when we say unlearning. Um, And there have been a whole bunch of things that I've been in the process of (laughs) Unlearning. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the bigger ones over the past couple of years has been, and I, and you know, as we were talking about this, I was trying to figure out where a lot of these thoughts came from, mm-hmm. or a lot of these ideas came from. Some I can track back, track backs. Others I, I don't know where they came. Where from. I got the ideas, but one is 
that it's really important or your life is somehow not where it ought to be if you're not happy all the time. Like you should mm-hmm. just be happy. Yeah. And I'm not sure where I learned that or what I th- thought that this journey of adulthood was going to be, but um, I am currently in the process of unlearning <laughs> that model of thinking. I think that to expect to be happy all the time is unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's short-sighted and also there's a full gamut of emotions that I think we are actively sometimes avoiding Mm -hmm. dealing with, and it's really unhealthy. And it stunts our growth in a lot of ways. And we also make bad decisions from the place of like, oh, this doesn't make me happy right now, so (laughs) I'm not going to do it. Or this person doesn't make me happy right now, and so I'm going to quit. Or Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that should be the only barometer, but happiness is kind of a moving target. In my opinion, and I think if we're spending the majority of our time as a goal to be happy, we're going to make some unwise decisions in the pursuit. You're not saying we shouldn't have happiness. You're just saying it shouldn't be a constant. No, there's an arsenal of feelings that we experience, and it's for a reason. (laughs) You know, there's Mm -hmm. anger, and there's sadness sometimes, and there's joy, and there's like empathy and forgiveness and compassion and depression and there's so many things like there's inside so many, out it's like inside out and <laughs> and how sadness helped her and how sadness helped and I think sometimes we think it's just got to be like walking on sunshine every day right and so there's a lot of pushes to like we take medication to feel happy or to numb ourselves from feeling what we think are the bad things mm-hmm. and I think that it all matters I think happiness is a form of numbness in some ways. I think it's fine. Like, I've been happy and am happy often, but when you're struggling to make yourself happy all the time, I feel like there's some numbing that's happening. Like, because isn't that what you do when you're using drugs? Like, you're using it. Absolutely. Or when you're drinking, you want to have this sense of euphoria. Um, So I think if you're seeking happiness all the time, then, yeah, it's kind of like a a sort of numbing. And I think I've experienced that too, where I just wanted to be, I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy, right? So not really feeling all the different emotions that I'm feeling, trying to like move out of it quickly. To get to happy. That's interesting. Hmm. I think the one that I'm unlearning right now is just how I perceive failure and mistakes. I think that's a big one for a lot of people, but for me especially... That's a challenge for me. I think I've always tried to avoid doing the wrong thing. And that has stilted a lot of growth in some areas. Because when you're always trying to do the right thing, sometimes you don't move. And you're afraid to move because you're not sure if you're going in the right direction. But there have been so many people that I've looked up to, so many mentors that I've had, and friends that I've watched sort of try and fail or make a mistake and then get up and try again, that it it's clear to me that failure is not a bad thing all the time. And mistakes are not a bad thing. Yet it is something that I have to constantly re-educate myself on. Yeah. Because of because I have such strong emotional ties to it. Agreed. That making mistakes and um, not doing something well can be sort of hard on me. So I've been kind of thinking about that lately and just how do I, how do I shift my mindset around mistakes and failure? 
I think part of that is rooted in, and you and I both have struggled with this, is just this idea of perfectionism and mm-hmm. order and things need to go and look a certain way. Right. Um, which, you know, listen, there's an awesome part of that, which is a commitment to excellence, but it can also definitely paralyze you mm-hmm. <laughs> where you are because you're trying to have everything figured out and every step in order and every, you know, everything just the right way. And I don't think that that ever actually happens. I don't know that every star ever aligns right. before it's time to like, okay, now it's time to pull the trigger on whatever that thing is. Yeah. Um, and so, But somewhere along the way, we sort of learned that being right was good. Absolutely. And you should always try to be right. Absolutely. Because it's good. And no one is harder on us than ourselves when we're not. I know that's true of me. So I'd be willing to agree with you on that. So do you think being the learned you or the the part of you, how do do I say this, the part of you that was afraid of failure or is trying to, what was yours again? Um, not be happy all the time. Not be happy. Or the person yeah. who's trying to be happy all the time. Do you feel like being that is a bad thing? No. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, I think it, I think, and I can only speak for myself, that being the learned version of myself can be a very slippery slope. Um, in that you're never going to learn everything and you're never going to know everything. And for me, I will just continue to try to research and find information mm-hmm. <laughs> and think that I'm going to like stumble on some eureka moment that's going to like make every dot connect. And I think that coming at it from that way um, takes away from kind of just the enjoyment of the journey and of the process mm-hmm. and of figuring out and stumbling. And it's like, for me, I'm so scared a lot of times to fail that I will just keep doing research <laughs> right? to counteract because any question I have. if you do more research, then you know more so you can avoid more problems. Exactly. But here's the thing. Clearly. I've done a lot of research on a lot of things, and that hasn't stopped me from failing. So right. there's still the difference between having your book knowledge, right, and your mm-hmm. your learned understanding of things, and then that understanding to apply it, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is something I'm still mastering. And then here's the thing. We just— we can't be infallible to failure and to missteps. Like that's that's just not how this thing calls. And just the idea that you could not make mistakes is kind of um it's kind of prideful. It's so prideful. <laughs> it's so haughty. It's so prideful to think like I'm gonna read a bunch of books and No, 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 you watch me, you watch me while I kill this. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's very haughty. It's very haughty and um, it's also misguided. And I think knowledge is important. You know how we feel about learning and self-awareness, but there has that has to be coupled with action and it also has to be coupled, coupled with grace mm-hmm. because you're not going to nail it all the time. And that's you're just not. the truth. And anybody who, and we know this, it's like anybody who's tried for something great has failed many times before they got there. It's just the way it goes. Yeah. It's just the way it goes. But somehow we think we should be immune to that. <laughs> Because we right. read a lot. Right, right, right. It's it's, it's silly. Mm-hmm. And I think that leads into just accepting where you are when you're there. Um, just me saying I'm working through failures and making mistakes and not letting that cripple me. It doesn't mean that I'm a bad person or 
Yeah, it doesn't mean that I'm a bad yeah. person. It doesn't mean that I am less than. Yeah. It's just a piece of me that I would like to improve because it would make my life better. And my life or my worldview would be so much better if I could get over the hump more quickly, if I didn't have to yes. be so down on myself for making mistakes, you know, that um, self-critique and self-talk. So I don't feel like being the learn the, the, um, our past self or whatever we want to call it is bad. I just feel like it's part of, you have to learn to accept yourself before you can change. Right. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I think unlearning those things is really important because especially if they're crippling to you or they're keeping you in a place of um, where you're not moving, I think. And it also, what I've noticed for myself is it breeds inauthenticity. When you're so focused on being a perfectionist Mm -hmm. (laughs) and crossing all your T's, is it crossing? Yep, crossing all your T's, dotting all your I's. Um, How do I say this? So you can be doing a lot of the right things Mm -hmm. from the wrong place, right? If that makes sense. Yeah, girl. You can be doing the right things and saying the right things and being the right things. But not believing it at all. And not believing it at all and not actually understanding and having, and not even like being rooted in it, Mm -hmm. which which makes you one, inauthentic, and two, um, it's an injustice to yourself. It it really is just, it's an injustice to yourself. Yeah. So. That makes me think about faith. Faith. Yeah. Evans? Faith? No, because I do not randomly think (laughs) about faith. Are you talking about a person? Oh, wait, you're talking about the idea of faith? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm talking about Faith Evans, like, when she... (laughs) I don't know what... No, because the way you said it was like you were thinking about a person, and I was like... I don't know any faith other than Faith Evans. <laughs> okay, faith as in the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Okay, I'm sorry. Yep. I, I, I missed that. Whole it's okay. okay. It's a long digression, but it's totally fine. <laughs> sorry. No, you're fine. I'm teasing you. No, it makes me think about faith because you were saying operating, like doing things from the wrong place. Yeah. Um, and doing things from a place of inauthenticity. Um, yeah, like, have there been things that you learned that you would like to unlearn when it comes to your faith? I know there have been. Oh, God, there's so many. (laughs) Right. There's so many. And I don't know if we've gotten into this a whole lot on the show. We're actually going to have, I think, (laughs) episodes dedicated to this episodes in the plural (laughs) it's a a lot to unpack but yes okay so when it comes to faith so we're both believers I'm a believer um one of the things that I have absolutely struggled with I want to say over the past like three years has been being honest with myself and with other people about exactly where I am yeah in my walk of faith, if you will, and being honest about a lot of my doubts and misgivings. So if I'm being completely transparent, I have a whole lot of questions about a lot of things with regard to my faith. There are some things that I still absolutely hold to be true. There's a lot of other things that I think are deeply rooted and stemmed in religiosity and um, dogma. 
and um, going through the Bible, I have a lot of questions. I'm just at a place where I have to be honest mm-hmm. about the fact that I have a lot of questions. And here they are. There's a lot of one. things that I am actively in the process of unlearning with regard to my faith, who I believe God is, who I believe Jesus is, what it looks like to walk with him and love him. And what, you know, my biggest question is, what does a Christian look like exactly? <laughs> because mm-hmm. um, there are a lot of things I just simply can't get with. Mm-hmm. That are that are like, oh, these are just these are the Christian standpoints. Like this is what we all stand on. And it's like right. apart from Jesus, there's a lot of things that I'm like, listen, I don't I don't actually want to go with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't actually believe that. Don't. I'm working through it. Mm-hmm. That was a lot to say, but I'm more unlearning than learning with regard to my faith mm-hmm. at this point. No, but I really think that's important because I think that there is a place where you can deepen your faith by exploring those questions. And as you said earlier, make it more authentic. Authentic? Authentic. Yeah. I feel like I'm not saying it right, but I'm doing fine. Um, the, I know that you and I are often in the same place spiritually. <laughs> often. But I think one of the things that I would really love to help others unlearn and that I'm also unlearning myself is the need to make one person the everything answer, yeah. the answer to everything, um, the cure for whatever ails you. And I don't know if a lot of people know that they approach their pastor in the sense that, oh, have you heard so-and-so? Like, he's changed my life and he's done this. And they make this one person be their gateway to who God is. Um, and I know that I've done that in the past, and I think it's a, an awful setup for just strong disappointment. And even if we're conscious that that's not something you should do, you shouldn't have an idol that's um, that takes the place of God, I think a lot of times we, put, we place people in authority and look at them as if they are the end-all, be-all, the that's perfect right. answer. And we forget that they're human. And it's just like, that seem, it seems basic. But I think so many people are out here hurt because they did that very thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, because I, I can imagine myself listening to someone like me say, say this very thing and being like, well, girl, everybody knows that you shouldn't have an idol and you shouldn't do this and... You shouldn't put someone in the place of God, but like we do it all the time. All the time. Still. Yeah. Even with regard to like, and this may be taking a little bit of a segue, but like, you know, working through the prophetic or counting on a pastor to tell you where we are at a certain place. Right. <laughs> like this is the season we're in. This is the time we're in. This is the, right. this is what you should be doing. This is. Because they hear the voice of God. And like, I don't. that's just so. And I don't. <laughs> So I guess the question should be, you know, with all of these things, like how do we handle prophecy and how do we handle, you know, I think sometimes we can just, like you said, go blindly into it. Like, oh, well, this is, this is the season. This is the time. This is the person. This is the thing. Why? I had a confirmation or this is what somebody told me. And I think it's important, not that, not that we don't have people to help us confirm and help us along in our journey. That's not at all what I'm saying. But what I am Mm -hmm. saying is, um, there there should only be things happening or coming to you coming to you um from people in authority that you already feel like God is talking to you about or confirming you know what I mean like I don't think there should just be some brand new information to hit you 
<laughs> like, oh, this is what you're actually supposed to do with your life. Oh, really? Okay, that's awesome. Okay, I'll do that. Let's, I'll do that. that that's good cool. to me. You know, I just think that implies whether or not we realize it. Well, one, it does two things. It handicaps our own personal relationship <laughs> and the process that has to happen, I think, to have a real relationship with God um, for ourselves. Because here's the thing, I'm going to hear him wrong. I've heard him wrong before. It, it, there, there will be more times where I hear him wrong again, right? But it's one thing to endeavor in something from your own place, and it's a whole other thing to take somebody else's word for it. Yeah. You know? Got to be careful. Yeah. I think that also plays into the idea of unlearning because it's about self-acceptance and learning yourself and beginning to trust yourself and who you are. And I think sometimes with religion, we can really put someone else in the place of being our eyes and our ears or even our heart um, and our voice. And we can give our voice and our power away because we have set up a person to be the authority in our lives. And there's nothing wrong with saying that this person is an authority. Sure. Who I should respect. But another thing that I'm unlearning is an unhealthy way to regard leadership and learning to question leadership and not be afraid to. Absolutely. And not be afraid to say, well, I'm placing this, I'm placing my life kind of in your hands and I'm giving you this this power in a sense. Um, I should have some questions and there's nothing wrong with that. I think sometimes we... We just give too. We just give our power away. Yeah, too often and too quickly. And I think a a true leader shouldn't have issues with the questions. Mm-hmm. If it's coming to the point where you can't ask a question, or right. it's feeling like you're in a situation where it's almost like a dictatorship, where you say it, nobody has any word in it, and mm-hmm. this is just how it goes. I think that in and of itself is something that needs to be questioned. Yeah. So a lot of things we learn, and I think particularly when you get into the religious aspect of things it's like we always want to put our best foot and face forward (laughs) and so everybody comes to kind of perform to some regard if that makes sense and so especially in that caveat it's like you don't want to be the person necessarily in the room who's like I'm sorry I didn't I actually didn't understand that or Mm -hmm. um I'm actually really not nailing this in my life or this is actually where I instead we just do the ooh yeah yeah that's good and we just we just glaze over mm. and keep going yeah we're so good, good so we're good we're good for that on our show too you know mm. so <laughs> just giving yourself the okay to be where you are you know mm-hmm. it's so important being on your own journey Being on your own journey. And if that means you need to stand alone, that means you need to stand alone. But here's the thing again, and this is what we'll probably end up keep coming back to, is at least it's in authenticity. Right. (laughs) At least it's in authenticity. So I think the challenge in unlearning is, (laughs) and I speak from experience, I think the challenge is stepping out of the pattern because... With most patterns, you don't necessarily notice them right away, right? Sure. I feel like it takes time for you to recognize that. Um, it takes time for you to recognize that, oh, this is a cycle of mine. Oh, yeah. I've done this before. Yep. Oh. And even when you do recognize it, sometimes you just jump back into it because you've done it so much. Absolutely. Over and over and over again. So there's a, the challenge is that 
you've done it, you're used to it, your brain is used to it, your emotions are used to the cycle. And so I think the challenge is like thinking about what you're thinking about and making the decision like this is not good. This is not good. And this is not fit my worldview right now. This is not fit where I want to go. And I need to really take steps to get out of this. Absolutely. That's how I, at least how I feel. Like, I think I came to the conclusion that I do not have a healthy way of dealing with failure or critique. Um, Like after really hitting a really low, a really like low week and just being like, is this normal? Like, should I feel this way? Like, oh, wait, this is not okay. I don't like this. Like, you know, it's, um, and then knowing that I didn't want to be like that anymore and knowing that it was hindering me. I think it just, it kind of takes you, I don't know, it takes real life situations, I think. think It it, takes real life situations. It takes maturity and it takes self-awareness. And this is, Mm, I just feel like like these are the reoccurring themes that we always have, but it's like, listen, it takes a lot of courage to look yourself in the mirror and say, listen, I'm always playing the victim. Mm-hmm. But this problem in my life is a reoccurring problem. And it was here in 1997. <laughs> and it was here in 2004. And was a here good we, year. 2008. And now here we are today. And it's still mm-hmm. here. All the people are different. What's the common denominator here? Right? Mm-hmm. So to come to the place where it's like, oh, okay, this is this is not everybody else. This isn't my parents. This isn't my upbringing. This isn't faulty coaching, faulty leadership, schools, coaches. You know, it's like there's so mm-hmm. many things we can make excuses at times for patterns that we find ourselves in. It takes courage and maturity to say, this is me. This is, These my, are some this is deep who I beliefs. am. This yep. is who I am. And it's not pretty and it's unattractive and it's not helping me to move forward and be my best. Right. And I am the solution that's tough to do sometimes. <laughs> that is so hard. It's very hard. And I think all of us struggle with that at some mm-hmm. point or another. And so a lot of times, even going into unlearning, it's un- unlearning and disregarding the narrative that is the faulty narrative that we've been telling ourselves for so long about one mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, you have to talk to yourself differently. You have to talk to yourself differently. I know that's something that you have I'm to learning. think about what you think about. Yep. You have to be aware of your feelings. I'm feeling this, but why am I feeling this? And like, mm-hmm. where is this coming from? Can't be driven about by your feelings. I'm curious to know, like when I do that, like when I'm trying to get to the root of something, um, although it is hard to say like, you know, I want to always be right or I don't know how to apologize or like getting to the root. I, f- I find that there's a sense of peace in saying that very thing. Because have you ever experienced that? Every time. Like if Every you're time. like, oh... Danielle made me late and then my boss, my boss is so mean and all she does is this and blah. Like there's something in me that is unsettled even when I say things like that or like, oh yeah, I got up late because so-and-so didn't call me. Like the excuses that we make, I always find that whenever I make those types of excuses, there's still a little bit of me that's like unsettled. Absolutely. And when I can get to the root and say, okay, no, honestly, you did not set your alarm you you did not do the right thing when I yeah you did not do what you were supposed to do so that's why you're late or that's why that person said this about you I even though it's hard there's like a a settling like oh you you found it now what are you gonna do listen the truth always brings peace along with it you better (laughs) even if it's an ugly thing no it's just true like the truth like when you look at yourself and say you know what (laughs) 
Hey, this hey. is you. Red is not your color. You know what I'm saying? This is you. This is absolutely you. What mm-hmm. for you? It has been your, you know, your failure. I definitely have struggled with perfectionism too. One of the things that I've been open about is just struggling with like gaining and losing weight. Like that's one thing that's been an issue with me, right? And so I will always have an excuse for why this has happened or why, you know, I lost it, but then didn't or didn't eat. And the truth is, the truth is there are times where I just numb out with my feelings and I want to numb out. And so I eat the wrong things. And then I gain that 15 pounds back. And that's the truth. Where it's like I have an unhealthy relationship with food sometimes. Or I actually don't like to work out. I know it's like really, I know everybody loves to work out in LA. I'm not one of those people. Okay. (laughs) I would rather be doing other things. So this is why it's not, you know, this commitment to, Hey, I want to, how do I explain it? When we're really committed to something, right? Mm -hmm. We don't make excuses. (laughs) And then there are other places in our lives where we will just let the excuses run rampant. Just, Oh God, so much has been going on. This happened to me and it's been a really rough year. And it's like, yes, all of those things are true. It was a really rough year and all of this, but you are still responsible for the way that you handle the ebbs and flows of your life. Oh my gosh. Do you know who Zig Ziglar is? I've heard of him. So he, was like a motivational speaker and coach, really well-known in the business world. And, of course, you know me and my podcast. So he had a podcast. Um, His son now has it, now runs it. But he said one thing that really stuck with me, and it was, I am responsible. And they did an entire podcast on the phrase, I am responsible. And it just, like, really pierced my heart and stomach, like, you're responsible for just saying, just even admitting in the morning that you're responsible for how your day goes. You're responsible at work for the your job, the piece of your job that is yours. I am responsible. And it was so, it was almost chilling to kind of accept that, to kind of say, yeah, like how my life ends up, how my day ends up, I truly am responsible. And I actually have been saying that lately and just saying it to so myself. Good. And it's just like you... It's a it's a game changer. It it, um, it preps my mind to sort of tackle whatever it need whatever needs to happen at the time. Like it's really huge. And just when you accept that responsibility for your life, I that's where the magic be, happens. <laughs> yes, things can be a lot different. Um, so yeah, so still in the process of unlearning some things. I think we'll always be in that process. Yes, I don't think it's like something you're like, well, I've learned all I can and unlearned all I can so uh things are pretty great I think that it's always going to be a process of of letting go letting go you know letting go and do something guys it's important to know that unlearning is just as important as learning yeah they go hand in hand like good things are happening because once you unlearn something you're actually learning something exactly you know exactly so yeah man just keep walking this thing on out and whatnot you know, I'm trying to just get my little life together. Mm-hmm. So, got any jewels? I think we covered the jewels. Okay. It's, it's let, <laughs> let's just be committed to the process, guys. Um, let's be committed to the process. And I think, you know, your biggest, I think the big takeaway here is I am responsible. I love that. I think that drives home pretty much every point we were trying to make in this conversation. Well, all right, then. <laughs> so we'd love to challenge you to do some metacognitive activity and figure yes. out what you might need to unlearn to continue paving the road ahead. 
Um, you can meet us on our Facebook page, Spin the Bottle Podcast, and tell us what you're thinking about this. We'd love to chat with you. You can also email us any thoughts you like. We love your emails. Thank you so much that you would like to hear on the show. Shout us a holler at ddspinthebottle at gmail.com. Okay, guys, it's time for another spin. Let's recap the topics really quick. All about the tub bins, hypothetically speaking, I feel away, currently crushing, and worst advice. Oh, I feel, I feel away. away. Does that make you happy? Yes. Okay, great. I'm glad. Are you ready for mine? Or do you want to Do go you want I feel like you're going to digress. So I'm going to no, I'm going to feel away. Really? Yep. All right. I feel away about friends, like good friends that you love, who are rude to waiters and waitresses. Oh. Like, how do you, how do you, what is it, broach? How do you broach a topic? How do you talk about that? You just got to pull them aside and talk. Wait, can we pause? Is it broach or breach? Can somebody answer the question? How do you? Broach. Is it broach? Okay. Yeah. Because breach is like the breach of the uh, breach whale. (laughs) 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 But how do you say like, Oh, wow, Danny, that is uncalled Listen, for? you just got to be like, hey, this makes me uncomfortable, okay? We have to take care of our food servers. Like, just, we have to, like it's just, literally like, makes just me chill. Cringe a Let's little be bit. cool. Me too. Or the tipping. The tipping really makes me cringe too. Where it's like, this is how these people make their livelihood, okay? Like, please tip. Like, please, please tip. tip. Though I will hey. say, I, I said this to Alex, I, I understand tipping. When you're going out to eat, you're having like a full meal and you're sitting there. But do I have to tip everybody that's making me coffee? You do. Like at Starbucks? Yeah. You you put something in the tip jar. Um, mm-hmm. If I have cash. I'm not going to lie. No. <laughs> no. You're like, it's not the first no. thing I do. But there are some places if you go like in a like a sandwich stellar... place, a Subway. They have a tip jar. Yeah. I like, when did that happen? Yeah, no, I no. I got to no. tip you because you're a sandwich artist now? Yeah, I no. I don't know if I want to do that. No, I'm with you. I, I'm talking more about like the sit-in. Yeah. Yeah. We got to tip well. If they do a good job. But even if they don't, I still am going to tip. Like I don't just leave zero tip. Yeah. You never um, leave zero tip unless they are rude as hell. Unless they were awful. But in because that case, then, they, then. I've never had that experience. I would though. literally grab a manager and be like, I want to explain what's going on here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. But yeah, you just got to have the conversation. Also, it's like, look, you're not about to be a jackass at this table and then have them spit in our food. Because they, <laughs> who knows what's going on back in that kitchen. And you want to act a monkey. And now, who knows what this we're getting here. Say, you want to act a monkey. Anyway, that's something that I've experienced recently. And it made me cringe. And I actually didn't know what to say. Like, I tried to make light of it but I, I was I didn't know what to say it's actually so maybe really, I'll say that that's yeah it just like being makes a me a little bit, bit uncomfortable don't you think you're being a little bit rude just chill all right anyway easy I'll easy, do better next time. easy I'll update you go yes. ahead okay I feel a way about paying for valet but having to park my own car <laughs> So this is a very L.A. thing that has Amen. just got to stop. What? Like, how do you have a valet stand and the umbrella and the whole thing, and you're talking about you're charging me for a valet, but then you're just directing traffic and telling me where to park? Like, I'm not going to pay you to tell me where to park uh, my no. car. That's somebody, not valet. Somebody got over on you. That, That's no, not valet. You've been at restaurants before. You've no. been somewhere. You've never been anywhere where they tell you where to park and then call a valet? No. Oh, honey, it happens all the time. 
You you have two? That's not right. That's called self-parking. That's like that, a that's totally different precisely. thing. Precisely. Precisely. But then it's like, oh, give me your keys. That's a parking fee. It's not self-parking technically because I'm giving them my keys and because they, I don't know, they have the little stand. That's ridiculous. But I just, that, that happened to me at a restaurant the other day and I was really irritated. Like, <laughs> why am I paying you $7 and you're just like showing me where you're to You're paying park? for parking at that point. It's ridiculous. Like it's not, that's not valet, y'all. It's not valet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for... Recent revelations. Yeah. Wow, you really nailed it. Oh, it's good. Do you like my shoulders when I do that? I love when you do your shoulder dances. Shoulder love. You're so into it. Okay, my recent revelation <laughs> is this isn't like a revelation, like, oh, this is brand new information. This is more like, oh my gosh, time okay. is short as hell. Oh, is this a recent revelation? <laughs> <laughs> Really? Like, really, I'm 34. Well, I'm 33. Am I 34 or 33? I'm 33. I always age myself an extra year, which is probably why I feel like time is so short. Anyway, we don't have (laughs) that much time. For what, my love? I don't know, but, like, time is running Are you trying to tell us the end is near or... Time for what? January 17th, 2017. Okay, so we don't have much of 2016 is what you're saying. No, I'm just saying that life is short and we really got to get this shit together. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Okay. I'm totally with you. I'm feeling some urgency here. Okay. I'm feeling some urgency. That's all. Like I just was listening to a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And the end of the world. (laughs) Of course you were. Of course you were. That's like my phrase. I was listening to this podcast the other day. I just started making stuff up. Anyway, I just, I'm just i just feeling like people who tell you, oh, you have all the time. Take all the time you need. You know, you have time. You can figure that out. I really don't feel like they're considering my best interest at all. You know? Do you feel like I'm being crazy? Honey, no. I feel like You're you so are supportive. where you are. No. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm with you. I have my doubts about you. I'm with you. Listen, you. it's it's how you end up being the 50-year-old person in a club trying to still figure it out. Like, <laughs> oh, just time, time. It's how you end up being the guy with the Bluetooth Everyone's in the club. Everyone's wearing jeggings. What are like you saying? This, like, this, this ship has sailed for you, my friend. Ah, a holster. You know what I'm they got their <laughs> cell phone holster. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, guys, use your time wisely. Use your time wisely. That's all I'm saying. Gosh. I'm with you, honey. I'm really feeling those 33 years. Honey. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what. (laughs) You are young and vibrant. Thank you. 33 is young. But I do feel you. Yeah. It's, you know. I'm just not trying to make any Use your time wisely. All right. My revelation has gone long. Go ahead. Okay. It's okay. Um, My recent revelation is... Okay, you guys. I really hate the the new update <laughs> <laughs> on the iOS, and I didn't want to do it. I didn't oh, want to do it. I'm always honey. trying to come up with something new and creative, but I can't. Okay, so a few awkward things have happened to me as a result of this stupid freaking update. One is that like there's these new. I don't know what these are. These heartbeats. These <laughs> swishes in the black. I don't know what they are. There are shapes. <laughs> there. I can't read them. It's supposed to be like 
it's all types of stuff. I was tapping around trying to figure it out. I mm. sent somebody some kissy lips on accident. <laughs> so what you need to know is two taps means some type of virtual kiss Alice in cyberspace. Like, what you need to know? I just was so confused. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you're listening to this now, <laughs> what you need to know is. <laughs> I hate it so much. Oh, geez. Like, it's just all types of stupid shit <laughs> that nobody needs. Oh. And so, whatever. Just it's fine. I'm not crying. I'm good. just over it. Like, I'm okay. over it. I, I think it's You're a done. dumb you update. It was stupid. I think it's very stupid. Like, who needs that? Who needs a virtual heartbeat <laughs> sent to them? What does that even mean? Like, what is that? And it doesn't even look like a real heart. Do you see it like a real heart? It looks like a heart shape. Those Not lips, like, does that really look like, a, like, is it where it's just very clear that those are, like, lips? It, it's, it does kind of look very clear that they're, like, they're lips. I, I'm just saying, it looks like lips and it looks like a heart. It's not, like, an actual heart. It's just very abstract to me. Like, what okay. am I looking at? What's okay. happening here? And why is it, You're like, not beating? It. You're not standing. Or it's, like, beating and pulsing in this black space. I hate it. I hate it. And I sent somebody some kissy lips and then had to, like, recant. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what's happening with my phone or this update. <laughs> I cannot wait for the dating episode. Where she, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to say a thing, actually. I'm just going to sit in the back. It's going to be great. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. fine. I'll figure it out. But I just, that's my recent revelation. I'm right. done. I'm over it. <sighs> okay. I ordered the iPhone 7 in Jet Black. It's coming. <laughs> Probably going to hate it, too. <laughs> Figured I should that get black is nice. Uh, isn't it lovely? So good. You know I love black, so. <laughs> black on black. Black on black. On black on black. Okay. Oh, wait. Also, sorry. I'm oh, sorry. What? I have what? one more thing that oh, I want to say. Okay, what? On Netflix, okay? Oh. So you know how I love watching my black cinema movies, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I have been getting into, like, the B and C. Oh, black so you're opening up a little bit. Uh, yeah. That's nice. it, it's, it's great to watch, like, drinking some wine and popcorn there. It's, like, fine fun. But now I have, like, circled into a new caveat of movies on Netflix, which are the Nigerian. Have you guys seen the Nigerian movies on no, the Netflix? No, I have not. Okay, so there's a couple ones that are really, mm-hmm. really kind of cool, mm-hmm. and I'm totally into them. So now I'm into... Nigerian men. I am. I knew it. It just stumbled upon me. I knew it. You never know. So those movies, they'll get you. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's really exciting. And so now every time I come, my sister's like, are you watching another Nigerian movie? And I'm like, I love them so much. <laughs> so All right. got to watch it. We're going to we may have to add like African cinema to the to the wheel. <laughs> the diaspora. Di- yes, the diaspora. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <sighs> we love everybody. This is an inclusive show. <laughs> We did it. We did it. We did it. Hooray. What is that even about? (laughs) Danny, thank you so much for this awesome, awesome show. It is a joy and a pleasure to serve alongside you. Oh, man. You're so so special. (laughs) We want to thank our producer, A.B. Queen, and our co-producer and engineer, Jarrett Johnson. We love you, cousin. Oh, we got a tech support. Shout out to Saeed Sneed. He's the best. The man, the myth, the legend. Mm, sage. We love you so. <laughs> Listeners, thank you so much for listening. Stay connected with us. Spread the word about Spin the Bottle. Leave us a nice little rating on iTunes and share with a friend. Please leave us a comment and let us know what you're feeling about the shows. We really do want to hear from you guys and we want to interact. The end. <laughs> <laughs>